Where you lead me, I will follow. I'll go with you. With you all the way. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to Family with Family, a mindful discussion of wholesome fare. My name is Jackson Harper, and joining me for this discussion, as always, is my mother, Patricia Ann Stover Harper. Greetings and salutations. How was your day? It was good. Very busy. I did 12 things today. (laughs) You did 12 things? 12. Okay. Oh, no, this is number 13. <laughs> there it is. All right. Well, you know, we have a guest tonight. We have someone new joining the family with family family. <laughs> are you waiting what, for his speak? Are you gonna intro me? You know what? I, I don't know. Yeah, Howdy, no, I I was nah, I was waiting on her to laugh at my oh. <laughs> at my three-peat of the word family within yeah. four words. Anyway. I stifled my laugh. Oh my goodness. Anyway. Never stifle laughter when you're being recorded. Always let it loose. Okay. Exactly. I do it all the time. He is the co-host of the Fear of God podcast, one of my favorite podcasts, not just because they let me come on there sometimes. Uh, he is a movie critic and also a comic book nerd, Richard Nathan Rouse. Look out. Look out. That's ah, a, there it is. That's a well-kept secret. Not anymore. No, yeah. nothing well kept about that. Yeah, no, nope, nothing secretive not anymore. anymore. It's all good. It's all good. We're but family. Do it. So, with family, with family. <laughs> hey, there it is. You didn't stifle that. No, I never stifle my laughter. I laugh on this podcast constantly. Well, good. So we do. We well, laugh. I'm happy to. I'm happy to be here uh, and uh, talking about this movie. All right. Well, mom. Tell our listeners what movie we're talking about. We are talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's a a movie made in 2018. And the only thing I have to say about it is it's another take on Spider-Man. Okay. It's a cartoon. Well, I mean, it's all going to come out. Well, it's the first time we've covered an animated film on this show. I know. and It It took uh, us seven episodes on a family film show. (laughs) <laughs> to do an animated film. I tell you what, it was, it, I had never seen this movie. And mm-hmm. when I watched it the first time, I thought, why does he want to do this? But <laughs> then I watched it again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And I love it. There it is. He knows me. Well. Every time. Every time. I'm waiting for the day when I get you to watch a movie and you watch it three or four times, and you're still like, I hate this movie. <laughs> That's going to be a fun discussion. Yes, it will be. But Anyway, uh, I said it earlier. Uh, I brought Nathan onto this episode specifically because I know he loves comic books and uh, Marvel comic books especially. And he has stuff to say about Spider-Man and the greater Marvel world and all of that stuff. So... I'm going to give 
you the floor, Nathan, to talk about a little bit um, why you love this movie. Okay. Um, well, yes, it is true. As a wee lad, I began reading old Marvel canon. And uh, <clears throat> though strangely, although int- perhaps interestingly, was only a sort of outsider looking in spider fan. I cut my teeth on the world of the weirdo X-Men. Mm-hmm. And then about uh, just before the MCU began in twenty in 2008, really started diving more heavily, paying attention more heavily to the Avengers world of comics publishing. Um, but for comic heads who are listening to this might know circa 2001 or 2000, roughly there, Marvel launched what they called their ultimate line of comic books. It was mm-hmm. Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate Spider-Man. They had what they called the Ultimates, which was this paradigm of the Avengers. And the Ultimate line of books, uh, because Marvel had existed since the 60s, was meant to be this, like, let's just start fresh. You know, what if these characters were kind of birthed in the world at the time, you know, again, circa 2000 or so. And the gentleman who wrote the Spider-Man comic at that time was a, a guy named Brian Michael Bendis, who I was a big fan of, wrote a lot of, of Marvel stuff. And the short of this potentially long tale is that's when I really started getting invested in the Spider-Man idea as a character. I really liked Mm -hmm. ultimate Spider-Man. Also, you know, for anyone interested, J. Michael Straczynski, also a writer. um, I've never seen the show, but he wrote maybe even created Babylon five. He has a really great arc. A lot of people have, have dabbled in the world of writing Spider-Man over the years, but what, what you didn't ask for that I will give you here is, I don't remember what year it was. I I didn't do this due diligence. Uh, But at a certain point, and honestly, so Brian Michael Bendis, again, this writer, a very kind of worldly minded guy. He's he's a white dude, but he's, you know, got adopted kids who are, uh, you know, different race than he is. He wanted to start creating characters more representative of his kids, his own kids. Mm -hmm. And um, whenever this was, it was probably maybe 2000 seven to 11 somewhere in there uh, I, i'm mm-hmm. just kind of pulling that out of the air the ultimate line as a line of publishing comic books was kind of struggling a little bit and so you know this is just what happens it's kind of what you see happening in the the cinematic mcu it's it's the wheels start shaking a little bit under the weight of of kind of all the the story that has developed over time and so yeah. they they decided because they had some carte blanche with this ultimate line, you could futz with that a little bit in ways you might not could have with the standard publishing line to kill Peter Parker. Like there was going mm. to be a big storyline where they do officially, formally, certifiably. Uh, I don't I think it was most likely Green Goblin at the time. It's been a minute since I've read this. And what happens in that storyline is a young man named Miles Morales observes this happening. And so, so Miles, Aaron, his parents, these are all, this is when these characters were birthed in the publishing world. And mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was because despite my years of reading comics and never fully glomming on to the Peter Parker phenomena, it just really stuck with me. I was like, this is very cool. This is someone trying to, I'm always a fan. It doesn't always work in every medium, but I'm always a fan of like, how can we birth something new? kind of trojan horse this idea which is which is what this movie does very well which is Mm -hmm. uh anyone can wear the mask this idea of like what if it's not peter parker under the mask and they they took that and ran with it uh, with this mixed race teen kid who's in this 
you know, kind of boarding school kind of scenario. And mm-hmm. so there's just a lot of the tropes you see in the film Spider-Verse present in those first Miles arcs. And where I'm trying to get to here is, though failing, <clears throat> at least in for brevity's sake, Jackson, you and I have actually never talked about this I, uh, because it, MCU <laughs> doesn't come up a whole lot on our show. It's It hasn't yeah. really been relevant, relevant there. Well, I love Tom Holland as a Peter Parker. Those movies, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Homecoming, No Way Home. What's the other one? Um, far From Home. Far From Home. I yeah. think they're strong. I think they're good entries. It took me a while to get over my disappointment that they didn't opt because they had the perfect cover to do it. The MCU was already pretty huge at the time. We'd had mm-hmm. the the Raimi Spider-Man. We had had the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. We had plenty of traditional Peter Parker Spider-Man. I mm-hmm. desperately was hoping they would opt to go ahead and front load Miles as the main MCU character mm-hmm. who portrayed Spider-Man. They clearly didn't do that. I And this is getting super nerdy to the two of y'all and perhaps <laughs> your listeners. A thing that does annoy me greatly about the Holland Spider-Man movies is the actor, uh, Jacob Batalon, who plays Ned. Miles, in the comic books, has a best friend. Uh, <coughs> his best friend is of Japanese descent. His name's Gonka. And he uh-huh. is a larger character, very much in love with like Legos and being the right-hand man to Spider-Man. It Hmm. really annoyed me because clearly if you've seen the Holland Spider-Man, they cast MCU Ned. It's supposed to be that character, basically, yeah. And so what they kind of did was undercut any future use of that kind of character. Um, Ah, okay. Traditional version. And then named him, again, super nerd cut here, Ned is a throwback name of a Spider-Man, a Peter Parker Spider-Man friend. Ned Leeds, this okay. has roots in the Marvel lore. <laughs> you didn't know you were getting all this, but- How do you know all this? Because I'm, I'm 43 <laughs> and have a Spider-Ham toy right in front of you here. It's just, you know, <laughs> stuff runs deep. Um, I told you, mom, we got this guy on this, on this episode for a reason. That's so funny. Well- to attempt to find a punctuation mark on this very long-winded tale here, when Spider-Verse got announced, the, the film that, that we're kind of centering today, it's kind of like for for movie heads who've been at this a minute, when you hear there's a new Batman movie, you're like, are we doing this again? You know, it's there. there is this sense of an individual superhero style fatigue, not just the broader storytelling uh, architecture, but specific characters. And when I heard they were doing an animated Spider-Man movie, I was like, give me a break. Oh my God. How many, how yeah. much of this are we doing? Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I will never forget. I had a buddy locally who is also kind of a movie comic head text me after seeing Spider-Verse. And he was like, I think you ought to go check this out. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty quality. And I went and y'all, I stinking love this movie i still wish i still had live action miles um and i think there's a world where Mm -hmm. we'll maybe get to that at some point but they do in this movie what as a fan of mcu stuff the the they only dream of being able to pull off visually in the live action stuff this movie is so beautiful to look at Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah that's a very long-winded way of, of getting to what a reason i love this movie so much isn't just hey it's a cool animated spider-man movie it's 
I I was a big fan and not of not just the creation of Miles Morales, but why he existed at all. I was like, this is good. This is a worthwhile thing to put in the world. And so I got worried. Have they just sidelined him into the animated Spider-Man? But this movie is incredible. Yeah. And I'm happy to be here talking. Finally, now that I'll shut up talking to you about it today. Well, that all was right. Funny. It was 2000 to 2011. Ultimate Which is, Spider-Man. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're our editor. So in comic books, in comic books, um, <laughs> mom, they have occasional uh, uh, editor's notes. And so that's what you just provided. Uh, something will happen between characters and they'll reference a thing that happens <laughs> off screen and it'll be like editor's note, 2000 to 2011, the ultimate slam of comic books. <laughs> yes. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Well, all right. So that leads us into our first official segment, which is called Character Counts, wherein my mom lists off all the characters like we're in a play and uh, we talk about them as, as we wish. So, and we know I have to have a list. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Take it away. Miles Morales. He's a very artistic young man. Uh, a middle, he's called him a middle schooler, but it looks like he's in about the eighth or ninth grade. I think he's supposed to be 13, 14. That's what I said, 8th or 9th grade. Yeah, so there you go. He called it middle school. Middle school's not that. But anyway, his dad, Jefferson Davis. I thought that was Which is so weird. To be fair, fair, I have a (laughs) 12-year-old who is in 6th grade. She will be 13 in 7th grade. Oh, that's that's not too far off. No, no, no. I just was thinking he was more like 14. Yeah. Yeah. But I still call... down here well it's because there's a grown man voicing him this is true so there you go mom rio morales uh, who is uh hispanic and jefferson is a, a black man he's uh he's the police department of new york and she's a nurse and then there's uncle aaron i won't say who he turns out to be right now should i no it's fine oh slash he's the prowler yeah what what spoiler alert <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> Um, so he is her brother. And then Gwen Stacy, isn't he her brother? No, no, he's he's uh Jefferson's brother. brother. Oh, he's Jefferson's brother, okay. Gwen Gwen Stacy, um, who is a spider woman from another universe. Peter B. Parker, who is 38 years old and he is a flop at first. (laughs) And then there's Peter Parker, who's played by Chris Pine, you would have thought they would kind of any more famous than the other guy. Yes, he's but more Jake of a Johnson, movie star, but Jake yeah. Johnson is a big TV star. Love and, and when more you of think, a comedy love star. Jake Johnson's yeah. voice. And, and when then, you think beautiful, you think Chris Pine, and so they did kind of lean in on that with young May, yeah, May exactly. Parker. May Parker, played by Lily Tomlin, that is uh, mm-hmm. is that's someone she likes. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Parker. I don't know who plays him. John John Mulaney. He's a comedian. Penny Parker. Penny Parker. These are all spider people. Spider-Man Noir. (laughs) Nicolas Cage. The Kingpin. And Liv. Uh, uh, Dr. Olivia Octavius. Played by Agatha all along. Mm -hmm. Catherine. Those are are the main. main No, you're right. It's. Yeah. um, Yeah. It's Catherine Hahn. Oh, yeah, yeah, She yeah. plays... I'm thinking Catherine Keener. She plays Doc Ockham. Kingpin is yeah. uh, Liev Schreiber. Liev Schreiber, yeah. So did I, leave, did I leave anybody out? I don't think so, but... I don't think so. No, but, not yeah. anybody important. 
Okay. All right. So, Mom, who is your favorite character in this movie? Forgot to figure out who my favorite. All <laughs> you always forget to decide a favorite character. I ask you this. Every it's like Sophie's I choice know. up in here. I I think it's I love Miles. I'm sorry. That's just like a cop out. That's, the main character is usually her favorite character. It's fine. Not always, <laughs> but in this case, yes, he's my favorite character. Uh, I love how they developed his character. Mm-hmm. Talk about an arc. <laughs> That's a word that she's learned from doing this show with me. Yes. Hey, uh, it, arc. Know, it works. Yep. So, I, anyway. I, do, I do love the character of Miles. Yeah. And how he develops. Okay. So, Nathan, do you have a favorite character? Uh, I think because of his well developed arc, uh, Miles uh, is what is kind of the anchor point here. I, I, I love the character that he exists at all in the creative world in terms of the publishing and then translating it over to this medium. Uh, I'm so impressed with how they delivered this story. Uh, If we are speaking to, you know, trying to, trying to get some alternates as well. It's hard to deny for me, the, if I'm honest resonance, I feel for Peter B. Parker. Um, Yeah. Like I love the vocal performance. I love that. This is just, Man, I was, it's funny. I watched it in its entirety yesterday and then just had it on. I didn't refinish it an, another whole time through, but had it on today. Mm-hmm. And just the, the movie itself is littered with just wonderful little character touches. But I wrote this down and it's kind of getting ahead of his arc. But one of my favorite lines that is just really beautiful to me is in the, um, I'm going to quote a line from the final fight. Can I do that? Go for it. Okay. So the one of the, threads for peter b is his is his annoyance with uh so so not only is it this uh malaise he he is experiencing at his stage of life this sort of resentment regret apathy towards you know the things that have occurred to him his weariness over still being spider-man um but that's where we find him and then just this really funny but at its heart poignant animus and frustration he feels towards miles and so i'm gonna i'm mm-hmm. gonna partner two lines here one it's just hysterical to me when they first meet miles has bound him up to the boxing uh, whatever we call it the boxing bag the punching bag the big punching bag yeah and peter gets free and he's scaling the side of the building and miles is trying to coax him into doing it and and it i gotta believe it's jake johnson right yeah yeah yeah, I got to believe some of this was ad libs that they just loved and kept in. But there's this great mm-hmm. moment y'all might remember where he yells into his sleeve, which yeah. is just, it's such a deep character moment. You know, that's not a traditional animation kind of thing to do as a have a character do yeah. something like that. But it's hysterical to me. But where I'm going with this is that I find just totally beautiful. So he's got this active resentment towards teenagerdom and, and, kids and like he's just trying to get back home and blah 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 and there's this moment when miles has come into his own during the final fight where peter is says to him and i love that they choose to have him confess love i love that aspect of it but peter says to miles in the moment after miles just pulls off something wonderful he says i love you i'm so proud of you do i want kids and it's just this great (laughs) this great uh, you know, in, in, in screenwriting, there's just this phenomenon of like, okay, 
if you're going to have characters say or do things, how can you make sure it's furthering their development? You know, occasionally yeah. you can have throwaway lines and stuff, but that line is such a beautiful culmination of the character Peter B. Parker's arc in this film from active resentment, apathy, just sort of general uh, kind of sadness over his state of life and getting to this moment where he can say to another person, I love you. Maybe I can change. Like that's really powerful to me. Well, yeah. he, he had attributed at least in part the downfall of his mar- marriage to the fact that she yeah. wanted he, children. She wanted it and he didn't. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, yeah. I'm going to pick PBP as I call him in my notes. What about you, Jackson? Who's, who's your fave? I love, I love Spider-Man Noir. Sure. Yes. Y'all both know this. I'm a big Nicolas Cage fan from way, way back. And there's just something about him doing this kind of uh, 1940s hard-boiled it's detective so kind of dialect that just, I don't know, it speaks to me. And I was going to use one of his lines from, you know, for one of my scene selections. We'll get into that in a minute. But I'm just going to say it here. When uh, Miles comes into the house and he's like, you know, all this stuff happened and uh, my uncle's trying to kill me. And you just see uh, Spider-Man Noir sitting on the couch and he goes, this is a pretty hardcore origin story. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, it just just makes me laugh so hard every time. I, you know, it's not the deepest character. You know, he has a little bit of an arc. He's trying to figure out the Rubik's cube, which can't fathom because (laughs) it's in color and he's from a black and white universe. (laughs) It's always windy and it smells like rain or whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He comes in. Yeah. He says, it's like, why is the wind blowing here? We're in a basement. He's like, the wind follows me. And the wind smells like rain. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'll let a match burn down to my fingertips just to feel something. Feel something. Whatever. Yeah. I, I do feel it's compelled. Just... I do feel compelled to throw out here because I don't know that we'll return to characters in this fashion. But like, yeah. While while he doesn't rank in my top, I gotta pour a cold one out for Uncle Aaron because not only is it such a great. I love the way they do Prowler in this, like the audio, the sort of menacing design mm-hmm. of him as a character. And I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that's Mahershala Ali. But you know, to to yeah. to Spider fans, this is pretty evident. But what you might not realize is the whole arc of Spider-Man, the the mythological imaginative creation, is he can't save his uncle who gets killed in front of him. Yeah, And to Mm -hmm. invert that in this story in this way, that it's the same DNA just deployed in such a dramatically different way. Like, I Mm -hmm. love that aspect of it, that it is the thought about that. Yeah. It's Uncle Ben for Peter. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 Aaron for for Miles. And the fact that he can't save him, that that this conflict is happening. I just I love that they do that uh, because it's such a it's such a skillful and nimble way to to dance across the mythology. Yeah, well, and then they also give Jefferson, just a second, the fact that the dad's name is Jefferson Davis is it's so crazy. weird. <laughs> like, I can't get over that. Here we have a black New York City cop and his name is the same as the president of the Confederacy. I just don't it's understand. It's a way to redeem it, I don't know. Sure. 
I mean, it's a fine name, but it's just weird that that's his name. Anyway, but the fact that he he gives uh, Miles like the twisted, inverted version of Uncle Ben's line. He says, with great ability comes great accountability. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and Miles... He, he corrects him. He's like, that's not right. Yeah. So they they work in all this little stuff from Peter Parker's lore, but it's not quite right. It's not quite Peter Parker's lore. It's it's Miles's lore because he is the character of this story. Uh, is there any other characters you want to talk about before we get into our next segment? Well, we didn't talk about Gwen at all. She's so and awesome. I'm, yeah, she, I love her I ballet shoes. I don't understand why she so shows up at Alchemax. Why does she show up at Alchemax? I have no idea. You mean for the lab <laughs> scene? No, yeah, no, she's no. there. Oh, in the middle of the movie. It's it's her spidey sense, I guess. Well, yeah, because you her know? spidey sense sent her to the school, so I guess her yeah. spidey sense sent her to Alchemax. Yeah, but it doesn't well, really come with that. Okay, so well, I think <laughs> she's keeping tabs on Miles at that. It, point. Oh, okay, yeah. all right, maybe. And mom, what you probably <clears> don't know that you know we won't go into a whole bunch. Gwen Stacy is a very significant character in spider-man lore not from miles morales but from peter parker uh she was his original girlfriend back you know in the 60s and up into the 70s and then she famously got killed and then did not resurface for many years you know most comic characters when they die they come back you know pretty pretty soon yeah but she stayed dead for decades and then in here she had to come from another universe yeah well this is this is a different gwen oh okay that's true yeah because this is the multiverse all all bets are off with the multiverse so all right so let's get into our next segment which is called scene selections yes wherein we each pick a couple of scenes that we would like skip to on the dvd if we were re-watching this movie so Mm, I don't know who to go to first here because I don't know what Nathan's scenes are. I'm going to pick mom because I'm pretty sure <laughs> she has chronologically the first scene of all of this. Yes, because it's at the very beginning of the movie when yes. I think this is part of my favorite part about the movie is that Miles comes from this intact family. And mm-hmm. in the world of movies today, it is not common for heroes to come from an intact family, you know, with a mom and a dad, all of the above. He doesn't have any siblings, but that's okay. But it's quite, it's very obvious from the very outset of the movie that Miles has parents who love him. And Mm -hmm. I loved the scene where dad is following Miles to school and Miles falls down in front of him and he has to get in the cop car. Because I guess it reminds me of how kids feel when they're embarrassed to be with their parents. And um, it's just a, a fun thing to me. Um, Dad is trying to relate to Miles, but he just doesn't quite know how to, which is really a theme through the whole thing until the very end. And Dad refuses to um, give in to Miles's uh, apathy towards him because he's... Mm-hmm. He loves him, but he's annoyed that he has to go to this school. But dad is just going to keep talking and keep talking and keep talking, which I think finally gets, well, we know it finally gets three to miles. We know he loves his parents, but he's 
wanting to be cool. He wants to go yeah. to school in his own neighborhood. But when he lets him out at the school and honks and makes him tell him he loves him back. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says, that's a copy. Mm. <laughs> he goes into the school. But it just cracked me up because it, it just was so typical of teenagers. Mm. You don't have teenagers yet, do you, Nathan? I do. He does. Oh, I do. How old <laughs> one teenager? Yeah. Yeah. Well, with one and right one who's about to be. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you probably know what I'm oh, talking about. Yes. You get it. Well, it's funny. It's funny you say that because as I've been reabsorbing this movie, uh, it was it was by myself, and I thought, man, I should show this. I should watch this again with the teenager, just because it does have some really great, real kind of heartfelt like people wanting to speak to each other plainly and clearly but the the ways our relational dynamics develop makes it hard to speak clearly and plainly to each other so no i i, I can definitely see the value of this from that standpoint oh and the last thing he says which goes through the whole movie tie your shoes you almost forget you're watching a cartoon mm-hmm. through the whole movie okay that's all all right so nathan i don't know what scene you're gonna pick for your first scene but go for it okay uh i might be stealing yours uh if i read correct if i kept up correctly but all right the way you phrased this was or just now was scenes you would skip to kind of thing Uh so i'll i'm gonna point to the lab sequence but i'm gonna preface it by identifying one of the things i've not loved about the holland spider films is one of the things you one of the things I do enjoy about the Raimi Spider films does this. Because when you go see Spider-Man, if you're familiar with this lore at all, one of the almost totemic aspects of just Spider-Man is the free, free-flying, free-wheeling, whipping through uh, skyscrapers, the skyline, light as mm-hmm. a bird, just that kind of energy. And I feel yeah. like the way the Holland films have played out, which again, I enjoy for the most part across the board but for instance in i think it's um far from home they go on a big old field trip it's like well mm-hmm. can we just get spider-man swinging through new york like that's kind of <laughs> what you on a certain level pay some money to see so that's a long preface to say one thing that's fun to me about the fact that i enjoy the lab scene so much and and why i think it does deserve recognition is it isn't that it is like what in the world Nobody ever picked up a Spider-Man comic because they wanted to see him thwip through a forest. Like, that's just an odd way to uh, deploy that character. But the just progression from when Peter B. and Miles are suiting up to Chariots of Fire, or St. Elmo's Fire, (laughs) is just hilarious. All the way through when showing up uh, is just a fantastic sequence of scenes i mean mm-hmm. i i wrote down some of these lines and peter is uh identifying his steps and one of them uh uh he identifies i gotta find the the yeah the scientist or whatever and and miles says yeah. oh it's it's the woman with the bike and peter says step three re-examine my personal biases you know yeah. <laughs> is that <laughs> and then, he goes through all these steps and then he flips away and miles is left there against that boulder and he says Why'd I get stuck with the janky old broke hobo Spider-Man? <laughs> Which is just a great bit of, of character comedy. Um, so there's that. There's the reveal 
of this film's Doc Ock is just spectacular. Uh-huh. I mean, that was just a great kind of stakes raising moment. But right before that, Jackson, I don't know if you felt this in in other comic movies or whatever, but there, I'm thinking of Batman specifically. Sometimes there can be this critique of like of the films, uh, whatever, which whichever one, pick one that you don't see Batman truly be the world's greatest detective, which is kind of his MO in in sort of the publishing world. Well, one of the things I love about this lab scene is a thing we will sometimes forget about Peter Parker, whether it's Peter B or Peter himself, whatever, is he's brilliant. He is like a scientist and incredibly Mm -hmm. smart. And and a, a shorthand they do to illustrate that, that I love, is when he rattles off that like I don't know thirty <laughs> digit alphanumeric code. I know, I know. Yeah. But why that's why I love that so much is it's just it is, and and one of the you know again to to beat the dead horse here one of the reasons I love this movie so much is it knows what it's doing so well. It's just reminding you, hey, this guy's brilliant. He may be. Uh, his mm-hmm. body may be a different shape in Miles words uh, and he may be sort of washed up in the the hero realm, but he's a brilliant guy and he just quickly ascertains yeah. you know, and tries to transmit this information. So there's that beat. There's the reveal of Doc Ock. There's the hilarious scene where Miles is stuck to the ceiling. I and love tra- that. <laughs> just relax. What do you do to relax? Like, I can't believe I'm saying that, you know, whatever it is. Well, one of the things I do to relax and y'all know this is I sing. Sure. So he starts to sing, but he starts yeah. to sing a song he doesn't actually know the yeah. words to, which oh. I also do. But it's just like, needless to say, well, then Exa- I just love it's wonderful. Yeah, I love that in his attempt to steal the computer, he takes the monitor and the he tower the and he's monitor. like waddling <laughs> invisibly out and. And I love the backdrop of the translucent glass that Peter's fighting on the other side. Like <laughs> just the entire thing. And then he gets the bagel. It's just a great. Selecting a bagel. Yeah. And then all the scientists in the cafeteria have guns. And they pull them out. Well, do you hear one of them says like, he got a bagel, you know? <laughs> but all of that culminates in the reveal of Gwen at her full powers. And it's just awesome. It's just a really yeah. great sequence. So, I yeah, thought it was really favorite. funny when he was, he was, Miles sat down at the computer and he was <clears> trying <throat> to put the password in and Doc Ock is, is, is confronting uh, Peter B and he does with his fingers the rest of yes. the <laughs> Yeah, you're not any older yeah. than 35. Yeah. <laughs> Clean up your desktop, up. lady. Yeah. I know, so funny. So yeah, I'm picking that one. All right, so I am going to pick, and this is rewinding the DVD a little bit. Uh, the scene where, okay, so at this point, Miles has been bitten by the spider, which I also love because it's this big dramatic scene where you see yes. the spider crawl up his hand. All over. <laughs> it's like he closes in on the spider and you see the spider's fangs go into his hand and then he just swats the spider away like it's nothing. That's pretty good. But he's also had this conversation with Uncle Aaron about Gwen because you know he's seen her at school and she's cute and he likes her and he thinks maybe she likes him and so uh Uncle Aaron is like have you tried the the shoulder touch (laughs) just you know you go up and you put your hand on her shoulder and they're like hey (laughs) (laughs) so Miles decides he's gonna try this but 
he has uh, Spider-Man sticky hands now. So he puts his hand on her shoulder and he, well, for one thing, it takes him forever to raise his hand. I love, he even thinks he's to himself, sweating. He's like, Why are am you I doing so this in slow motion? <laughs> <You know? laughs> no. And he puts his hand up there and then somehow his hand gets over to her hair and it gets stuck in her hair. And uh, he's trying to pull it away. <laughs> It just reminds me of every stupid time I've tried to talk to a girl in my life. Because <laughs> I'm not good at it. At least not when I'm trying to be good at it. It's, it's tough. It's t- especially at that age, when you're 13, 14, whatever he is, it just hits me real hard seeing an awkward teenage guy uh, trying to talk to a girl and then failing so, so miserably to get his hand stuck in her hair to where she has to go in and get her hair cut. And yes, her hair after that looks really cute. Uh, And he tries to compliment her and she's like, you do not get to tell me my hair looks good. (laughs) (laughs) Jackson, you'll appreciate that a few years ago, our oldest uh, dressed as Spider-Gwen for Halloween. I tried, I was very close to convincing her to shave the side of her hair for it. She she would not do it. Yeah. That's close. Didn't pull I'm not sure your wife would have been real happy about that either. She'd, she'd have been fine. We, we've got a yeah. saying in our house, it's just hair. And uh, that comes from <laughs> it her, actually. Back. It grows it back. Yeah. Yeah. Until it doesn't, you know. It starts to thin out a bit. All right. So we're going to go through the round one more time. Okay. So, uh, so Mom. Rewind. I, I mean, I love the whole movie, but I love when um, Miles has, he knows he's Spider-Man. Okay, you're supposed to be Spider-Man. And he has broken the, what's it goober. called? The goober. He has broken the <laughs> goober, so he goes to the cemetery. <laughs> and <laughs> Peter B. falls out of the sky. And um, Miles is feeling terrible guilt about breaking it. And Peter B. shows up. But what follows, and the reason I love this scene is because I almost forgot it was a cartoon i started thinking <laughs> you're all gonna think i'm crazy i thought when, when he's dragging what is supposed to be a corpse butt, sure <laughs> what great special effects and i thought wait a minute this is a cartoon when the oh, train was dragging scene. him yeah yeah the, the train was dragging him and um if it was a real life this Special effects would have been fabulous in this. Of course, they're great in the other parts at the end, too, but it really looks cartoony, but this almost looks real. You know, we're getting dragged through the town. But poor Miles is terrified. He thinks he has killed Peter B. Parker. Mm -hmm. And he knows he's a Spider-Man, but I have a question about that. Um, But he won't let go. He will not let go of him because he's so scared, you know, that he's going to get charged with murder. But then he finally realizes he hasn't killed him. Um, <laughs> but I love the animation there. I just thought it was fabulous. And that's why. I, I mean, that scene got basically released as a trailer before this movie oh, came out. It did. Yeah, that was a selling point. So somebody else thought it was a great scene. No, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Everybody working on this movie. They were like, let's just put this scene out. I remember seeing it in movie theaters. That was basically a trailer, just that sequence. Well, Uh, I can understand why. You know, I love it when the 
the spider thing goes up on the mirror on the the window of the train and it scares the little boy. <laughs> I I just thought it was a really great scene, which almost like I said, I almost forgot I was watching the cartoon. So Nathan, I know what your final scene in this segment is going to be, and that will lead us into the ending of the movie, which we're also going to talk about as a whole. Sure. So. Uh, I am going to go with, I just, I just love the, this is more of a collection of scenes, but they're short. I just love the introduction of every spider person in this movie. I love how they show the comic book covers. And of course it's all iconic, classic recreations of comic book covers. Mm -hmm. Um, but you get like every character's little backstory, you know, you get to learn, you know, that uh, this universe is Peter Parker. He's been Spider-Man for 10 years and you get into all this recreation of uh, the Sam Raimi spider movies. Yeah. You know, you see him save the train and you see him do the stupid little dance down the mm-hmm. street. He's like, we don't talk about that. <laughs> you hear his Christmas album a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Spider bells. Uh, you know, you get into um, you get into Spider Gwen. You get to see her play the drums in a rock band. And, uh, you get to see her ballet shoes, which that's just my favorite little character touch yeah. for her is those ballet shoes. Yeah, that's that's perfect. You know, you get to see Spider Man Noir, and you know, what does he drink? Egg creams, and he loves to fight <laughs> Nazis. Uh, you get to see Penny Parker, and that's a whole different tradition of animation and comic book storytelling she doesn't have spider powers she has a telepathic connection to a spider that lives inside of a robot that her body built (laughs) that's crazy and uh then of course there's spider ham and that's very looney tunes you know he he floats through the air when he smells a pie uh that sort of thing I love I love all those little character introductions and the way that they're uh all in the cave I was actually texting Nathan about this earlier. They're all drawn to Aunt May's house. I know. Yeah. They all somehow know where Aunt May lives and they go and find her. And fortunately in this universe, Aunt May is prepared. That's so great. (laughs) You think you're the only ones who thought to come here? Yeah. Did you catch Jackson, your your reference in the the recreation of kind of classic covers? There, there may be few more famous images of Spider-Man than the first appearance uh, of his in Amazing Fantasy 15 in oh, 61 when yeah. Chris Pine Peter catches Miles inside the collider. I don't know what you're referring to, but there's a moment where uh, when Miles accidentally shows up in the collider, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. this is the scene I'm thinking of where they're swinging through it and he grabs him. Chris Pine Peter grabs him and holds him under his side, recreating oh, okay. that image. Yeah. Well, I mean, they just directly recreate the image on one of the comic book covers when they're yeah. introducing. Yeah. 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 But I'm saying then they, they do, it again. do it in text. I see. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's um, cool. Yeah. I love, I love too, to your point about the character introductions, the overlapping storytelling when it's yes. Spider Ham, Noir, and Penny and Gwen. Uh, no, Gwen has already done hers, but it's the three of them. Yeah. And isn't, am I wrong? It, like, they're telling the same story, and then they say radioactive spider, but Ham says radioactive pig. Is he that says right? pig. Oh gosh, yeah. that's so funny. Because so I think he he was a spider, and then a pig bit him, and he turned into 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's really short, but it's there. Yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that at all. Yeah. He was a spider so that got funny. bit by a pig and turned into <laughs> spider ham. It's <laughs> funny. Um, me, me, go? Yep, go for it. Okay. So my favorite scene, as I titled it here, is just What's Up, Danger. Um, I love that song. Uh, you know, every good hero story needs a good hero moment. And this mm-hmm. movie delivers a, a heck of a hero moment uh, when Miles, who has... I mean, it, it kind of gets hard to watch how little he's able to rise to the occasion as the story progresses. Yeah. To the point that I think he pleads to Peter B. on his beh- on his own behalf against what he thinks is the others saying, don't bring him. And Peter says, no, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't them, it's me. You know, so mm-hmm. they, he, he basically silos him off in his, his dorm, which, which itself has a really sad moment, a tender, lovely moment when the dad is talking to him outside the door. He thinks he can't talk back, but it's because he's been webbed up. But, but you know, so we've watched this character just try his darndest to, to honor what has been asked by the dying 26-year-old Peter Parker. Hey, you know, do this thing. This you, You're like me. And I'll kind of come back to that idea, but like trying to honor this. And so finally summons the courage the nerve uh oh yeah and he does the the venom blast out of his restraints um, yeah and then you've got you've just got that epic moment that this movie delivers in an incredible fashion he shows up to may what does she say what took you so long is that what it is yes. yeah um, and you know she gives him the the web shooters he spray paints the costume which is just fantastic I know. Uh, and you've yeah. got all these overlapping audio cues from characters throughout the movie you've got aaron who mm-hmm. says you're the best of us miles and you know he's sitting on the side of the or uh, uh he's suspended on the side of the skyscraper right and that just epic shot when he projects himself out over it and is upside down and this is where this movie i would say does accomplishes what even the best live action digital wizardry would not be able to pull off uh is, yeah. is is shots like this uh and then it's got the repeating comic panels that appear on the screen of him falling yeah this. uh and so then when he's finally close to the ground fires his webs up i mean it's just a fantastic uh, culmination of that character's journey a climax of that character's journey and and propels him into being able to be present and a participant in that final that final scene yeah, it's beautiful because he's he's diving down into the city. But of course, the shot is inverted. Yes. Yeah. So what you're seeing is him rise. Mm. Yeah. Into his so role good. as yeah. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a gorgeous. It's a gorgeous image. You know, I would hang it on my wall if I had a print of it. And I'm not even a big spider person, you know. <laughs> I'm not a Spider-Man guy, but that. Image but anyone can wear the mask, Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyone. But that image is just yes. so beautiful, and of course, the music behind it is very—it's propulsive. It's not a song I'm very familiar with, apart from this movie. That's but, where it's, uh, I mean, that's where it's from, though. Oh, it, yeah, it's—it yeah. was made for this movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you yeah. go. So, well. Well, they nailed it. It's, <laughs> it's the perfect song for this moment because yeah. it really just, it pumps you up. It gets you into his head. It's like, 
it's time to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right. Well, I guess that gets us into our next segment, which is called Lessons Learned, wherein we talk about what this movie makes us think about, what, what it makes us feel. Uh, so, Nathan, you are our guest. So I'm okay. going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot to you first with okay. the little flip. <laughs> um, you were watching the mouth. Watch the hands. Uh, should have been watching the hands. Well, Mom, uh, if you've never listened to The Fear of God, you might not know that uh, there are moments where even we baffle ourselves with the deep things we pull out of otherwise sometimes pretty uh, superficial movies. I, I definitely don't consider this a super, superficial movie, but... Oh, I've seen this happen so many times. It's great. <laughs> um, you know, one thing, there's there's so many just, just grace notes of of lovely idea peppered throughout the movie, but what really jumped out at me this time around and, and <clears throat> this film does an incredible job, kind of like the Aaron uncle inversion of just turning the dial on the Spider-Man mythology such that what previously was bedrock foundation stone of what it meant to be, quote unquote spider-man was with great power comes great responsibility like this is in pop culture that is a a touch point of just mm -hmm. you know yeah just a bedrock of it and what's so fascinating is this movie points to that but i would say changes the notion into the idea of the anyone can wear the mask and i feel like what this movie kind of does well uh, that, that feels like jumping ahead a bit but Something that really jumped out to me this time was the fact that at almost every turn, a spider person who thinks they're alone says, you're like me. Mm. And they say it with curiosity. They say it with, with wonder. They say it with mm. almost a, 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 a strain of relief, right? That, that a discovery has been made of solidarity mm. and 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 something that I think is so powerful because these movies, these big tentpole franchise movies are now blooming into these multiversal stories. And I think the risk of that type of storytelling convention is you miss the forest for the trees. What Spider-Verse does so well is plays with the notion not, isn't it cool that there's many spider people? It instead basically says, hey, heroism comes in every shape, size and color and, and mm -hmm. design. And your choice to be a hero is what makes you one. Amen. Right? It is, it, instead of with great power comes great responsibility, it presumes where you are, you have a version of power. And yes, it heightens it with web shooting and venom blasts and camouflage powers. But the point, the metaphor is simply, you can do this too. You're, you're like me. It's the, it's the discovery of, of heroism seeing itself in another it's wait a minute. Oh my God. Mm. You're, you're trying to put good in the world too. Aren't you like, that's what just kept ringing out to me. Every time you hit one of these scenes, if you remember when Chris Pine, Peter is described is telling his origin story. He says, there's only one Spider-Man. I'm the mm. only thing keeping my city from oblivion. And what does he do when he discovers miles? It, it is that revelatory moment of like, again, burden sharing, Right. Yeah. Of this this notion that, you know, again, ignore this the superpowers, but the idea that, hey, wait a minute, 
we're we're after protecting the innocent. We're after putting good into the world. And and there's a myriad way of mm-hmm. defining this. And in fact, see, this is Jackson. I blame you for getting me spun up here. But <laughs> I think honestly, fun, one of the fun. one of the most beautiful but heartbreaking moments in this movie is the moment when when Pine Peter's death goes viral. And you, you two are people occupying the same world I am, but this notion of shared loss, right? Yeah. This, this rev, this, what is it like to have heroes we esteem in the world and to suddenly lose that and, and the world we live in being so fractured and sort of, oh yeah, well, you know, you like that person, but they did X, you know, like, like I'm not trying to get too granular there, but the point being something that was beautiful to me in the fact that I don't think we really have it that much anymore is the sense of shared communal loss at, in this case, Peter Pine, uh, Chris Pine, Peter's death. Yeah. Like that's really powerful and beautiful to me, but it sends this shockwave of like, okay, well, what does it mean to be a hero? What does it mean to put your, to, to sublimate your own self-interest to, to work towards others. And this kid miles, what's lovely and sort of comedic, but also kind of heartbreaking is the whole movie. He's like, no, I told this guy, I made a promise. Yeah. And, and I don't know how to achieve that. Will you help me? And, and yeah. Peter B is very self-centered. Anyway, long went away to the question of lessons learned. It's, I, I love the idea of this, this as illustrated through the, uh, you're like me. It always fits. Eventually it always fits. Yeah. That's what the Godfather Stanley says to him. Can I, can I return it if it doesn't fit? It, it is going oh, to fit yes. your act of choosing yeah. to put it on means it's going to fit. And that's just a really incredible idea to me. Well, I mean, the, the setup and payoff, you mentioned Peter Parker, Chris Pine version in the beginning says I'm the one and only Spider-Man. Yes. Yeah. And then the last line of the movie is miles says, I'm not the only one. Mm. Mm. you know as he lays peacefully in his bed yeah to go awesome. to sleep yeah it's it's perfect it's it's really perfect storytelling i don't think i gave it as much credit as it deserved when it first came out because you know it came out you know the um the first tom holland spider movie had come out mm-hmm. and i really liked that i really liked the toby Maguire ones i kind of secretly liked the andrew garfield oh, ones I'll- yeah, I like the Garfield stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't think those movies hold up so well. Um, but I like certain elements about them. I think Garfield is great one, casting, is that yeah. Yes, I agree. I don't think it's written well, but they knew what they were doing when they cast him. He's a great actor. But uh when this movie came out, I was kind of cynical about it. And then I went to see it. And I was still a little bit cynical because everybody was saying this is the best Spider-Man movie ever. This is the best. This is the greatest thing. And the more I've watched it, especially over the past week, getting ready to talk about it with y'all, <laughs> this is the best Spider-Man movie ever. <laughs> it is. It is. It's, it's absolutely is. incredible. So I worry right. about sequels only because I'm like, Ugh. yeah. Mm-hmm. As of this recording, the sequel is about two weeks out, y'all. Uh, this this episode will be released well after that movie has come out and nathan actually wanted to wait to talk about this movie until that movie came out but i was like no, no we're just going to talk about this one 
And then maybe, maybe we'll talk about the sequel if it's good. <laughs> sure. You know, in a future, in awesome. a future episode. I do like that. All right. So mom, uh, what do you have to add to the lessons learned? Not here? a whole lot other than, and it goes along with what Nathan said. You know, we had all these spider people coming in and they were all disjointed. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then after Aunt May's house, they're a team. Mm-hmm. And their whole goal was first, nobody wanted to really help Miles. And like Nathan said, I mean, he had made a promise to Chris Pine, Spider-Man, to do away with this collider. But they weren't a team. But when they became a team, to me, was when they went to Miles's room and mm. um, Peter B. Spidey him up, you know, and <laughs> up on his nose. And they're all stuck on the outside of the building. Yeah. Yeah. They know they have a job to do, but they don't want Miles to get hurt. But they're yeah. a team and they're working together. And we could learn a lot of that, a lot from that in the human race these days. Because mm-hmm. we live in a world that is very disjointed and not teamwork. And I just think mm-hmm. it has great lessons to learn. Like you said, being a hero necess- isn't necessarily about stopping a collider, of course, but working together, being a hero mm-hmm. to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a very strong lesson. And I love the part at the end where Miles, he calls his dad when it's over with yeah you don't have time yeah. to talk you don't have time to talk um th- and this is an aside from that this is second lesson learned um miles is still a little boy yeah he's he's very small <laughs> i mean he's still a young boy yeah he's just done this great thing and he's tied you know the yeah bad guy but you oh, see him next to his dad and his dad towers over him. Yeah. I know. His dad and then doesn't his realize talking. that Spider-Man is his son. Oh, well, but you know moment. he realizes yeah. it. I mean, he's talking to him, and then Miles just runs up and hugs him. I don't think he moment. knows even you know? after that. I don't think he knows. I think it's ambiguous. I think it's I think it is a little ambiguous. I think there's a I'm world where sure. where you could make the case he he sniffs it out, but it's the yeah. same as like Clark Kent, Superman. It's like, really? Yeah. You're not picking up on this? <laughs> but it was just, you know. so glasses, that's enough. He's okay. Spider-Man, <laughs> and then he's the little boy. So it's the teamwork, yeah. and then there's st- then there we're back to the Spider-Man. It, that's a lesson learned. You're still it, just a little boy in there. You know? Yeah, and it's a beautiful payoff to the earlier scene that you were talking about where uh, his dad drives him to school. Oh, it's just, it's... it's I love when he drops his voice. Yeah, he's trying to sound trying like a to big hide man. his voice, <laughs> trying to be like a big man, but he's just so little yeah. compared to his dad. Because those yeah. those are my lessons learned. Okay, so you know we talked about Peter B. Parker, but that character, yeah, that character resonates with me because I have you know the past few years have been rough for me. Yeah. My entire life that I thought I was building kind of fell apart. And it's easy for a person when your life seems to be falling apart to sort of forget who you are and and who you want to be. 
And that's where we find Peter B in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's forgotten how to be Spider-Man. And then he's thrust into a role where he has to mentor the new Spider-Man. Uh, he's the most unlikely teacher because it was supposed to be the, the first Peter Parker, the young, like eager, uh, heroic, blonde haired, <laughs> handsome Peter Parker. I love the moment because where Peter he, B takes his mask off and he's all bruised and beaten up. He's like, it's yeah, like looking he's, in the looking, mirror. he's looking at the, yeah. he, well, but he's looking at the image of, yeah. uh, of the dead Peter Parker. And he's Pretty blonde. Peter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, I've gained some weight in the past few years, so I can relate to that. But yeah, just this idea that no matter where you find yourself in life, it's not too late to reclaim who you are or who you want to be or who you have to be. It's, it's not too late. Sometimes it just takes seeing what's going on with another person for you to realize what's going on within yourself. And maybe that's not a big takeaway for some people. Uh, I don't know. You know, this is a show where we talk about kids movies and that's a very adult thing to think about. But you know what, kids, one of these days, you're probably going to find yourself in that position. Most likely. Uh, Yeah. So that's just that's the power. That's the power of this movie is you've got kid miles who's going through kid miles stuff. Yeah, you got you know, janky old broke hobo Peter B going through <laughs> janky old broke hobo Peter B stuff. No, yeah. I, mean, I do think that's the kind of the beauty of this movie is it finds common yeah. ground between those sectors. Yeah, it's it's so lovely. I, everything about this movie is just so lovely. I love that it won the Oscar. Who knew that the animated Spider-Man movie was going to win an Oscar for best animated film? That's great. Well, the minute you that's saw this movie, you knew. I was like, that's a contender. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I good. mean, you know, yeah, we talked about just the quality of the animation here. Oh, it's incredible. It is Over so far beyond what's about going on. 140 animators. Wow. Yeah. And what's wild, I, I didn't have time to refresh this. I've got the art book, you know, occasionally movies will release uh-huh. these kind of coffee table books. So I've got the art mm-hmm. book for this. And I don't know if it was in there or it was in a behind the scenes thing, but they talk about the animation style. A couple of things. One is almost every character has a different frame rate for, for the the speed at which they move. Yeah. I can see that. Uh, Mm -hmm. And once miles watch, you'll, you'll notice a difference once, once miles becomes or gets powers once he's bitten and then wakes up and his pants don't fit. So kind of from there on, you can notice uh, peripheral imagery gets blurred and it's meant to replicate yeah. original comic panels like the kind of pixelated way they would illustrate mm-hmm. comic panels and so like yeah. the central element is clear and in focus and the stuff around is a bit more blurry uh, so anyway point being a yeah. lot of a lot of love passion and talent went into the visual dynamism of this movie well I guess we are going to move on to our Final segment, which is the Fwiff Scale. Uh, I've noted on this show before, Nathan, this is your first time hearing this show because we haven't released any episodes as of this (laughs) recording. But I've told you this. We ripped this off whole cloth Okay, the fear of God. uh, uh, Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, so I I receive it. (laughs) By the way, y'all, if any parents are listening to this, not necessarily kids because it's not really a show for kids. But if any parents are out there who love 
thoughtful discussion and horror movies. Nathan and his co-host Reed, that's your one-stop shop for that stuff. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Have fun. I've been on the show multiple times and always, I was on it last week as of this recording. (laughs) So love it. Anyway. But uh, this is our uh, two-pronged scale of rating movies. Uh, We do it on a scale of fun and feelings. Fun being entertainment value, feelings being more about uh, thematic and emotional depth and weight. Uh, We're going to snake this through because we don't normally have three people on here. It's usually just me and her. We're going to have more guests on in the future. This is the start of a new trend. But we're going to start with you, Nathan, on the scale of fun. What do you give this movie? Um, I think if you're categorizing fun as entertainment value for this movie, it's a, it's just an easy 10 for me. I mean, I love it. I think it's beautiful mm-hmm. to look at. I think it's hilarious. I found myself even by myself, having seen it multiple times, laughing out loud at some of the comedic elements of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's fantastically realized. So 10. Mm-hmm. All right, mom. Eight. Okay. Um, so the first time I saw it, I would not have even given it an eight. I just wasn't, <laughs> it just didn't resonate with me the first time. Mm-hmm. But the more I watched it, I mean, it crept up to eight. I thought that was pretty high. You yeah. know, I don't give a lot of tens. I don't either. Yeah. But I, yeah, I did yeah. love the movie. I just, I, I'm yeah. going to give it an eight. But if I'm never back, I got to make my mark here. So that's, that's I don't blame you. Coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm going to split the difference and give it a nine. Uh, it's not, it's not for any fault that the movie has. It's just, I, Spider-Man's not my favorite. This is an awesome Spider-Man movie, but Spider-Man in general, that's just, that's not my hero. I'm, I'm a Captain America kind of person. So anyway, a nine. Okay. So for the feelings scale, I'm also going to give this a nine. And I wouldn't have a week ago, but I've watched the movie several times since then, just getting ready to talk about it. And just the effortless depth that they find in this movie through just the smallest little moments. And we've talked about many of them over the course of this conversation. They they find little things to set up and pay off. And it's not just, it's not just Chekhov's gun. They're not just like setting up a thing to pay it off for, storytelling value everything that they set up has meaning to it there is great weight to everything that they're setting up and paying off it's it's so deft and beautifully realized uh yeah so yeah nine so mom ten there we go there it is um the the and I would, I can't believe I'm given a spider. I can't either. <laughs> a in feelings. Um, but I mean, I really think it's a fun movie too. But when I think about all the emotions that are in this movie, even down to Uncle Aaron, when mm-hmm. he is up on the roof, when he's up on the roof and Miles pulls off that mask. Oh, it's terrible. And that look on Miles's face. And he's whispering because he can't breathe. Yeah, He can't breathe. He can't talk. And he's just crushed that it's his uncle Aaron. And he just is, he's, I think he's more just crushed than he is afraid. 
Sure. Yeah. Although he's, he's begging him, please, Uncle Aaron, please, Uncle Aaron. And then Aaron just puts the mask down and steps back and he dies, you know. Yeah. But it's just full of stuff like that with Miles's parents, with um, it's just full of feelings. It just is. Mm-hmm. I love it. Oh, and, and like I said, when the all the spidey people are on the outside of the building, Mm-hmm. And Peter B is inside the room talking to them and they're all out there and they're just, they're heartbroken. Yeah. Yeah. It's full of feelings. I love it. Ten. All right. Nathan. Um, it's a 10. I mean, I think like <laughs> I started an hour ago by saying I didn't come up though, though I've been a comics and nerd for decades. Spidey wasn't my, my I, I wasn't anti-spidey it just wasn't what i you know kind of uh swam in uh and so to see this movie that it is it is a thing to watch a live action let's let's take spider-man since he's the center piece of our conversation here it's a thing to watch a live action spider-man movie and get one or two big set pieces that you really like right like that's a thing mm-hmm. like oh man remember that scene um and maybe it's got some threads of ideas that are worth given some some screen time to mm-hmm. but there's there's that version of live action spidey and then there's even mcu spidey which still feels like it's servicing a lot of masters like it is doing a lot of behind the scenes heavy lifting for other sort of properties yeah. and sort of studio mm-hmm. type things to take this movie which whether they knew they would uh, steer into sequels or not i think is a bit uh, beyond besides the point it is a complete package it it names it establishes it probes at challenges and ultimately delivers one of the most coherent thematic ideas that any of these movies have ever done in 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 term that that isn't just well with great power comes great responsibility now uncle ben's dead isn't that sad like no this thing takes real raw emotional power this didn't happen to me with these viewings for this week because i couldn't just my life being what it is, I had to watch it in kind of fits and starts mm-hmm. here and there, kind of piecemeal it. But when, as it has happened, I give myself over to a full viewing beginning to end of this movie, it will get me emotional. Like the threads mm-hmm. they find of the relational dynamic between Peter B and Miles, of Miles's journey, of Peter B's journey, I really relate to and, and you know, kind of understand there. So it just does what I tried to say 90 seconds ago a live action movie that might have one or two scenes that you can point to and be like, remember that scene that was awesome. And you wait for it when you watch it. This entire movie is that like, it is a visual feast. It is a uh, emotional and just sort of thematic feast. Like it is a thing. Every, every time you watch it, you're like, Oh man, I didn't catch that thing that you just saw. Um, So yeah, it's a 10. Sorry to run off of the mouth there. (laughs) No, you're good. Look at the hands, not the mouth, you know. <laughs> oh, Forky. <laughs> Forky. That's from Toy Story 4. Oh. It's going to be a while before we get to that one. <laughs> I've <laughs> never seen show. Toy Story 4. Well, it's pretty good. You should watch it. <laughs> I, I will. I'm sure I will. <laughs> anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Anyway, 9.33333333. So, three, 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 three. so uh, we give it a nine. We give it a nine. If it had gotten it, it all, if it had gotten to 0. 0.5, it would have gotten a 10. But no, well, that's me and you. 
that's Nathan was trying to get. I it did to my him. job as a guest, yeah. and uh, <laughs> we did not. So anyway, uh, so final question that we always ask: like, uh, if you're showing this to kids, what ages do you think uh, would be appropriate, or just who would enjoy this? Nathan, y'all are there, parents. I, do I, I young people in my you. house. I've thought about this a lot, not just because of this conversation, but because I love this movie and I have young ones. Um, I um, so our youngest is six, and it was on a couple months ago, and I, I actively kind of turned it off. Like I, I adore this movie. I think its violence is a little startling sure. and sharp you know, and, and if I'm honest, a little traumatizing, like if you're really kind of buying in and understanding what's happening when, when the moments of, I mean, Kingpin brutally murders Chris Pine, Peter, uh, uh, Kingpin oh, yeah. That's shoots rough. in the back prowler and, and Aaron, mm-hmm. you know, so, so some of those moments, and I think even ignoring the violence aspect, I think the imagery and audio trends a bit edgier and darker that I think could be like Prowler specifically, like that's a very haunting image. So for me, I would say probably in the eight plus zone, eight might be a hair young, but I do show my kids stuff a little younger than maybe other people, but easy 10 years old, probably more like eight or so um, Mm -hmm. is what I would sort of say. Although I'll probably cue it up for my six year old in two days. Now that we've talked about it, (laughs) it, you know, (laughs) I don't think it. I, I don't think younger kids would enjoy it or get it. Yeah. I, I I was thinking more like eleven or twelve because yeah. I don't think they would get it. I mean, if you want them to get it, I don't know. I would say eleven or twelve because of the darkness of Prowler and Kingpin and yeah. Plus, I just don't think they're going to get it. It's a movie you need. It's to mature get. themes. Yeah, it, it's very yeah. mature themes. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, well, okay. And about as the usual, age of miles. About the age of miles. Yeah. Well, and as usual on this topic, I have no real opinion because I've never raised a child. So you, you asked the question. <laughs> I I am the question asker. I Fair. have no answers ever for this part of the show. Anyway, but yeah, that is our discussion on Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Thank you, Nathan, for coming Absolutely. on and uh, lending your uh, your voluminous knowledge of of lore and film criticism, of course. Next time, we are going to be diving back into the animation pool, and we're going to be talking about Frozen. Oh, boy. And we're going to have okay. a guest on for that as well. So get ready for some singing and some snow and a lot of sisters being sisters. But as always, uh, you can find this podcast wherever you manage to find it. You know where it is at this point. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Subscribe. That helps little podcasts like ours get heard. So, yeah. Thank you for listening. And until next time. Needless to say, you Love it. Good night, y'all.